Lace up your boots and grab your mouth guards. It's time for the Rugby Wrap, the podcast about all things Western Force, Global Rapid Rugby and the game we love. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Rugby Wrap. And once again, thanks to the telecomshop.com for being our official headset sponsor. And if you need any phone systems, head to the telecomshop.com. My name's Mick Collis and joining me as always is former Wallaby Mitch Hardy. Mitch, good to see you again. Good to be back for the Rugby Wrap, Mick. Uh, looking forward to this week's episode with Barry and um, went out and watched a bit of club rugby last weekend, which was very refreshing in the sunshine watching uh, West go around in a trial match against Curtin. So thoroughly enjoyed that, uh, as well as enjoyed the two uh, New Zealand games over the weekend as well. Yeah, so it's good to have some rugby back in our lives. And a man who is like an FJ Cruise with 10,000 kilometres on the clock. He's tough. He might be a bit old, but he still works pretty well. He's the media darling and Western Force hooker, Heath Tessman. And Tess, good to see you. Hey, what? Who wrote that for you? That's, I think that was a someone's direct... Doing some good, someone's doing some good work for you with that, that was a, finally. That, was that a direct, is a good one. It was a direct <laughs> quote that I read from one of the many newspaper articles that you featured in this week. What's going on? Ah, oh, I don't know. It's just time to wheel out the old bull, I guess. <laughs> Mate, you, you've been everywhere. Every newspaper I open, every article I read, it's Heath Tespin. Um, I'm not really sure. Like I said, I didn't buy the West Australian today, so maybe I've got to go out and got to go out and buy it. I've got to watch the news as well. Oh, well I've been reading my, reading my book here in the candlelight, taking it nice and quietly. It'd be nice if you gave the rugby wrap a few plugs and all your media commitments too, mate. So, Didn't um, they put that in there? No, no. <laughs> but but that nice. Of you to, that was that was what I caught it for. Nice of you to make some time for us tonight, away from everybody else. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, last week we had Kane Koteka taking tea time with Tess, and Tess, out of his uncle, was an All Black. He speaks fluent Japanese, and he was a national champion squash player. Which one was the lie? Uh, well, his uncle was an All Black, Paul Koteka. He played for uh, for the Waikato team I in think the early or late 70s, early 80s. And Netherlands? He played a bit in the 80s as well. Is that where he got picked from though? I don't think he got picked. No, playing, no, I don't uh, think so. I think he, I think he got picked yeah. Maybe that's how Netherlands picked him out of the ABs. It was probably, <laughs> that was probably their selection criteria. Um, he was a squash national champion. I think he was under 14s if I was remember he? correctly. Yeah. But he's Japanese after spending a few years over there. He's, um, as they say... Mazushi, poor, poor, very poor. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, he, he can string three words together. That's about it. And that's about it. All right. Well, that's great. There'll be another tea time with Tess later on in the show. Well, rugby's administration problems have been well documented, but the game itself has also struggled with participation numbers and TV audiences down. And one of the reasons is that the laws are hard to understand and hard to administer. And a group of well-credentialed rugby people have decided to do something about it. One of those people is former Wallaby Barry Honan, and he joins us now. Barry, thanks for your time on the Rugby Wrap. Thanks, Mike. It's an absolute pleasure, and um, uh, I, I look forward to enjoying the chat. So do we. Now, Barry, the names you've been working with include Andrew Slack, Greg Cornelson, Dick Marks, David Clark, Rod McQueen, and Ian Smith. How did this all come about? Uh, well, originally, before COVID hit, I was supposed to do a presentation at the Queensland Rugby Union. Um, but the COVID, uh, of course, the, the virus hit and that was put, put on hold for a while. So I, I actually played around a little bit with, a, with Zoom, but a lot, a lot of the stuff that I wanted to present is uh, video intensive and it didn't work all that well. So I decided I'd put together a few videos uh, based on research that I'd been doing since probably about 1987. Uh, there's another guy by the name of Ian Smith who's probably not mentioned in that list that you gave before. No, I gave Ian him a plug. A, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ian, is a, Ian certainly hasn't played any representative rugby, but he, he's been involved in rugby since, uh, well, he's now 82 years old, actually, and he's been involved in rugby and he's been taking statistics on the game since 1987. And he's put together some fantastic stuff that he sent to uh, various rugby authorities and, and really hasn't got a great deal of recognition. He's put out about seven or eight papers and um, the statistics that those papers have got uh, are really, really telling. So I sort of uh, cherry pick the bits and pieces out of it that I combine with the statistics that I've uh, been taking over the same number of years. Uh, and combined it with the uh, some video footage of various elite level games to come up with the four the, the four videos uh, outlining what we see and I'm talking about the group now because we've had a couple of meetings and we've decided on what we see are the major problems with the, with rugby at the elite level at this stage anyway and put the videos together and they've been very well received. Now, I'm not sure where to begin because there's, there's so much that your videos have covered. And can I just say, if you haven't seen them, it's well worth going to. So go to YouTube and just search Rugby Must Change and they'll all come up there. But one of the key things was the way certain law changes have had unintentional consequences. And one of those changes was getting rid of the law that had the team going forward getting the feed. And, and your stats showed that before that law change, there were 49 breakdowns on average per game, that being ruckmore or tackle. And now there's 163. Like, that's a huge difference, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's changed the whole, you know, nature of the game because uh, when when uh, set plays like scrums and lineouts, literally the numbers were pretty well equal to the number of breakdown possessions. You know, you had a situation where, you know, backs had far more room to move and negotiate their moves and so on. Uh, whereas now once, once there's such a plethora of, of possessions from breakdown, uh, with the zero-metre defence line, there, there's very little an attack can do. I mean, there's virtually no variation that's possible when the defence line is at zero metres. And, 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 you know, 99% of the time, because of the nature of that ruck thing that they, they form now at the breakdown, um, there's more in the defence line than there is in the attack. So it's very, very difficult. And, and um, uh, I, I see that as the major problem in rugby today. There are others, of course, as well. But I think if that could be addressed, it would make a, a, a huge change uh, to the way rugby is being played. Because, Mitch, I know that's one of your real bugbears, that, that changing of that law, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess, it, I guess it's highlighted where, you know, if you look at the, the work that's been done around the line-out and the amount of tries scored from driving walls and line-out and then the inability of teams to be able to effectively defend line-outs. Um, and also, there's just the numbers, the, the numbers game in the rucks these days. You know, New Zealand teams, are, um, and in particular the Crusaders, are really good at not committing numbers to the defensive breakdown unless they can win the ball. And, you know, um, as we see on the weekend, there's a lot of penalties that can be awarded around the breakdown and referees have been instructed to give more penalties at the breakdown and I'd be interested to see and hear a little bit more from you Barry around the element of the free kick instead of the penalty and the impact of speeding the game up there um, and if we can cover it at some point in the conversation too Barry just those top five things because I know you make a lot of suggestions and a lot of solutions as part of that video series but just just trying to drill down to what are the real big ticket stuff that needs to be uh, looked at and I think the team going forward getting the feed is is one thing. Yeah, no, look, <clears throat> totally, totally agree. The, um, 
Uh, it's obvious in, in, in the four games that have been played in New Zealand so far in their sort of domestic super rugby uh, competition, uh, the referees are really clamping down on, uh, on infringements at the breakdown. And in fact, on average, there's been about 28 uh, penalties awarded at breakdown in those four games. <clears throat> Interestingly, though, in those four games, you know, there's, there's been one free kick uh, that I can recall. There may, there may have been a second one that I missed, but there's, say, one or two free kicks out of all those penalties given over those four games. Now, that, that to our group also really needs addressing. Uh, we, we believe that, that uh, you know, there's 199 possible infringements in the game of rugby. Now, that in itself uh, mm. speaks of the complexity of our game. And 150 of those, the sanction for which is a full penalty. Now, something has to change there. Um, uh, the free kick is hardly ever given by referees nowadays. Now, what we're suggesting is that a, a, a full penalty, a full penalty should only be given uh, for foul play, dangerous play, or offside. I mean, technical infringements you know, at breakdown, technical infringements at scrum, technical infringements at line-out. For God's sake, you know, they, they don't need full penalties and the opportunity for a, for a team either to, to kick, free, three, kick for three points or kick into a corner uh, and have a successful rolling mall. And unfortunately, you know, too many rolling malls, in fact, they are successful because referees only seem to be looking at the defensive team and not the attacking team who are do, who actually are infringing law more than the defending team. And and Heath would have absolutely loved those stats too, Barry, around the number of tries hookers have been scoring from five metres out. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're basically going to ruin his career if he, if he's not allowed to top the try yeah. tally up during the year. If he can't, I need to have a career for it to be ruined. <laughs> if he can't milk those rolling balls, but they're from I'm about set. seven or eight metres out. <laughs> but I mean, I do, I agree with, I, I don't mind, like I kind of, I like the idea of giving away a few more free kicks throughout the field just to keep that, the, the game rolling a little bit more. I think we've seen like the immediate impact and, you know, use the the code that must not be named rugby league. We have a look at how they've just changed their ruck laws. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, traditionally they would, if it was a, be a full penalty, play would stop. They'd lose a minute of the game then the ball's back in play. Where now they're yes. giving the equivalent of, they're giving it six again, which is, roughly our equivalent of a short arm penalty. The ball's straight back in play. Teams are getting caught out. Tries are being scored because of it. I think it's got a lot, yeah, of, a lot of opportunity. That, that, of that's, a, that's, a, that's a really astute comparison there because, I mean, the league, like every year, the league have the capacity to sort of amend laws and because it's basically run from Australia. And, mm. and, and now they've addressed that. And, and their idea of... of um, if an infringement occurs, is not to penalise to keep the game going with their six again. Whereas you've seen in New Zealand now, like they've obviously uh, seen the fact that there are problems at the breakdown, but their solution is to just keep penalising, uh, which is slowing the game down, resulting in, you know, uh, incredible. And by the way, interestingly, you know, there, there was in those four games that I've just finished having a bit of a look at and a bit of an analysis of, there was an average of only seven scrum possessions on average from those games. There was 27 line-out possessions and 160 breakdown possessions. Now, the line-out possessions were more than 
average nowadays, only because all those penalties that were given, of course, they were line kicking and having line outs. But one thing that, that really stood out to me too, because look, I, I, obviously I'm, I'm speaking from the position of a, um, a, a, a back who, who's been um, really put off the game in recent years by, by the lack of opportunities back lines and back line players are now getting. Now, for example, of, of those lineouts we just talked about there, uh, there, there were 114 lineouts in those four games. Now, uh, of those, uh, only five resulted in two passes being more than two passes being made from all those lineouts. And the reason for it was they're all adopt, they're all having short lineouts, and by short, I mean anything less than seven. So, if you've got less than seven, you've got somebody out there in a back line. And usually what they're there for is to crash ball it up off 10. And, and, and as I said, only something like five out of 114 as a result was actually resulting in some backline play other than a crash ball either by a big number 12 or the extra four that they put out there. And I, that's, not really, that's not really the problem with the law so much there. It's more of a problem with coaching. So we, I've been getting heaps and heaps of... Um, uh, comments from various players as a result of the survey and a lot of saying well you know we agree with a lot of things you're saying about the laws but a lot of has to do with the coaching as well mm. and the point I made there is literally a coaching thing it doesn't have to be done that way is that yeah, yeah that's a good point it's a great point it's something it's stuff that you were talking about how the whole emphasis of the game like even that the scrums and you're quoting some of the players there that the point of a scrum is to try and get a penalty Whereas in, in, you know, again, we hark back to the old days, you talked about a centre field scrum, a fantastic opportunity for the backs, but it's all about the forwards trying to win a penalty. It's, it's, a, it's a, almost the mindset of coaches and players needs to change. Yeah, and, and I'm, not, uh, look, <clears throat> I'm not trying to denigrate anything with rugby. In fact, the whole idea of the group, our idea is to try to make rugby better. We're not trying to pull the game down at all. Um, but, but the thing is, and, and we, we actually want more scrums. As a back, I used to love scrums. Mm. I used to look for every opportunity for a back line, which I nine times out of 10 was basically in charge of, to get a scrum to do all our stuff. I mean, back in those, and that's not too long ago, an average training session at rugby would be, you know, the forwards go over there, they do their scrums, they do their lineouts. They do a few rucks and stuff. The backs are told to go over there and practice their moves. Now, it's no good practicing moves anymore because you don't get a chance to try any of them. Uh, there's not the, you don't get them from scrums, and now you're not even getting it from lineouts. So it's all breakdown stuff where there's nowhere for backs to go. And the great shame is like people like, um, uh, people like Beale and Cooper and James O'Connor. I mean, these guys should be standing out every time we play. They are brilliant footballers and not getting a chance to show their stuff. Uh, Bowden Barrett, you know, McKenzie and those. If you watched any of those games those last, they may as well not have even been on the field hmm. because there were so few opportunities for them to do anything. Even though, you know, McKenzie and Bowden Barrett were both playing fullback where hopefully from broken play they could get some space, they still had no basically effect on those games whatsoever. 
Now, Tess, as a, as a forward and, and Mitch, you as a back, Tess, all this stuff about, like, I, I hate those rolling balls off line outs to score tries. I think they should be worth three points because I, I just, I think they're a scourge on the game. You talked about Sayafinger was the, the leading try scorer for the Brumbies with 12 tries, 11, which came from those rolling malls into a, into a, uh, into a try. And some of the stats you had back in, in the 87 Rugby World Cup, twice as many tries were scored by centres than hookers. But then in the most recent one, it was two and a half times more tries scored by hookers than, than centres. Now, Tess, that's your bread and butter. Are you, happy, are you happy with the game and the way that that stuff goes on with the forwards? And then Mitch, after Tess has had his say, what do you think of it? Because also the coaches, there was that stat again you had, I think 75% of the coaches at the World Cup were ex-forwards. So are these people not seeing a problem? So Tess, do you see a problem? I can definitely understand the, the, the problem with it, especially if we're trying to play an entertaining brand of, of rugby. I think, you know, first and foremost, when you go into a game, you look at where you're going to be stronger than oppositions. If we can look at a game and say, we're going to be stronger than them at a scrum. We're probably going to be stronger than them at a line-out, which is why there will be times when, you know, like using the, the video as an example, we're 40 out. We're going to say, let's keep it in. This is going to be a good opportunity for us to get right down into their end, put some pressure on them. We've got the potential to get a yellow card of it, out of it, get them a man down and put some points on. I understand that it's not always the, um, the, prettiest, the prettiest type of rugby to watch, but it can be effective for us. But at the same time, I know that we need to have enough enough options in our team to, if we're under the pump at scrum time, if we're not playing as well at scrum time, that we need to be able to throw it out to give it to the backs as well. Like we need to be able to utilise both opportunities whenever they see fit. I think it's probably just with the, uh, with like, you know, some of the stats that have been shown through through Barry's video, how they're rewarding the, the scrums and a dominant scrum is probably something that I'd, I agree with that needs to be looked at. I think, um, you know, maybe bringing in that, that rule where if it's at the back, like a mall, like you've got an opportunity to use it. If you don't use it, there's a turnover, you know, as opposed to just leaving it sit there and having that long scrum, which can potentially go down or, you know, then we can go forward. And if we, if we do manage to go forward, then maybe the penalties is just a short arm is, is the only advantage we get from it, which gives not only our forwards an advantage, but it gives our backs an advantage to take a quick tap because, if their backs are only five metres back already, if there's a short arm given, they need to drop back another five metres before they can come forward to be to be deemed onside. So that gives our back line who are, you know, ready with some with a strike play to go ahead that little bit more space to attack. And don't get me wrong, if you guys score one of those rolling mall tries against the Warriors, yeah. the Reds, I'll be cheering. You'll be hearing me from yeah, here. Yeah, you've never, you've <laughs> never told me that you think it's a scare. You've always pumped up my tyres, pat me on the back, pat all of us on the back, hey? It's okay when we're scoring. It's just when everyone else scores them, I, I just don't like it. I've got, I've got no problems with the rolling mall. I think the mall is a very key element of the game. But I think, I think where it's gone a bit skew if is that you can't defend it. You, there's, there's no way of defending it these days. You can't. You can't bring it down. You can't. You've got to enter the from the one. hindmost feet. So if if you're able to give empower the players the ability to defend it appropriately without being dangerous, like by lifting or tacking someone's legs out, and let the guys be able to defend it properly, I think you'll find that yep, if you can bring them all down, good on you. You know, and if that results in a scrum, even better because then with the backs you can have a crack or you can have a dominant scrum do pushovers. I mean. You occasionally get a pushover try these days, but only if it's a dominant. Bringing in the free kicks is a big one because that will speed the game up. 
And I, I think some of the other suggestions are really honourable and it's backed up by stats with Barry's piece of work. But I think the big one is that bringing more free kicks in the game will bring the speed, which brings the fatigue, which brings the space. Um, you know, scrum, I don't think we should bastardise, and I'm a bit of a traditionalist, Barry, and I don't think we should bastardise our game where we're losing elements of it that makes it quite unique. And remember, the rest of the world are going pretty good with rugby. Australia, Australia is quite unique in that we're struggling with where our identity a bit and how we play it. And we just got to, we got to bring that back. And I don't think we need to reinvent the whole thing and break it all down. We just need to change some elements that both makes it entertaining, fun to play, but also keeps the key traditional elements of the game, which has made it so special over, you know, decades and, and you yeah, know, the last century. So I think, you know, yep, bringing kind of elements like defending the mall, free kicks, um, I think is a very doable thing. And I think we can um, upskill our referees appropriately to referee. And I know that was one of your points in your, your video, Barry, about the inconsistency of refereeing interpretation. Um, and also the coaching philosophies and be able to change our mindset of coaches and players. Hmm. And I think that's very, very key as well. Changing that mindset from the textbook coach to the the more of the philosophical coach about how the game should be played in my traditional sort of sense is, is where I think we can explore things further. But because yeah. with that, that mindset, Mitchell, I, I agree 100% because you look at some of the, some of the older vision when it's basically the same game, but just the way they played is different. So how, how do you yeah. get coaches that are, they live and die by their the stat sheet in terms of wins and losses. How do you get them to sacrifice one way of playing where they think they'll be more have a higher likelihood of winning to play another style that might might be just as successful but but might not be there's more of a risk obviously in that in that more expansive game well i think you know rod mcqueen and barry you've done a bit of work with rod on these these videos and these law suggestions and rod's been involved with some well rugby law panels as well um you know the the key elements of his attributes to the coach was about to look at the game and look at ways to play it and exploit the space within it. So, you know, back in the Brumbies and it's, you know, everyone talked about, oh, there's a bit of innovation there and what, and there was, you know, Rod looked at it, looked at where there could be opportunities and created a game plan around that and then played to his player's strengths. So I think coaches have got to get out of the textbooks and get back to where they can maximise the laws and use the players and their attributes to ensure that they can score as many tries as possible to win the game. Yeah. And, Look, I, yeah. I, I agree with everything you've said there, Mitch. I have an enormous amount of respect for Rod McQueen. Uh, his input into our group and what we're trying to achieve has been fantastic. But it's interesting you mentioned um, uh, that bit about bringing down the rolling mall because you know, when he was involved with those ELVs with uh, World Rugby or the IRB back in those days, from 2004 to 2009, one of the um, uh, variations or one of the things he'd like to bring into law was to, the ability to be able to bring down rolling malls. Uh, because sort of, remember back before then, like whereas now we only basically see rolling malls from lineouts because if you if if you get caught in a rolling mall, you know, and and uh, the ball doesn't come out, well, you lose possession. So you don't see rolling malls other than from the lineout, right? But but he his argument was that the reason the reason they they um, they they stopped being able to bring down rolling malls was they said it was it was dangerous. Now Rod over a period of years. Um, 
uh, did an analysis of, of games on about four or five different con con uh, um, countries, actually, uh, and and there was a it was a huge a huge amount of statistics he put together that proved that there were no more injuries in games from rolling balls that were brought down uh, in games where they couldn't bring rolling balls down. There was no difference. And he took that to the IRB as well, but, but nothing happened. They, they, they didn't, they didn't accept that. And that was one of the, uh, the ELVs he wanted to bring into law that wasn't accepted. Um, so, look, in all those, we're getting hundreds of comments from people as a result of the survey and, and quite a number of them are saying, bring back, being able to bring down rolling malls. And from his research, it's, it's, it's not, well, it wouldn't be as dangerous as front row smashing into each other at scrums. It's not, it's not as dangerous as the average tackle, to be honest with you. Well, the rucks um, are the most dangerous element of the game at the moment, in my opinion, with guys just flying in off the feet and, you know, blokes' necks exposed, shoulders exposed, knees exposed. You know, I think rucks are the most dangerous element at the I moment. I can't agree with you more. So we had Scotty Johnson on here a few weeks ago, Barry, and he mentioned that he's involved in some sort of panel or input system into world rugby around laws. What's your plan with this piece of work that you've done with the videos and the panel you've got and the survey that's out? Is the plan to engage with someone like a Scott Johnson and give this stuff some air time? Look, we, we would love to, for that to have happened. That was our original goal. I mean, the, the COVID thing gave Australia a fantastic opportunity to do something really meaningful with rugby in this country. Uh, with, with, you know, Australian Super Rugby, which is about to start, we don't have to worry about the Kiwis or the South Africans or anybody else. So it gave us a fantastic opportunity. And, in you know, a month or so ago, in speaking to Paul McLean, McLean who was then the CEO of – not CEO, I'm sorry, he was chairman of the board – uh, he expressed strong interest in, in getting a member of our group, either myself or Rod, together with uh, Scott Johnson um, and probably David Wessels or somebody from representing the Super Rugby group and coming up with, with a set of law variations that we could trial here and get dispensation for uh, to present to the public something totally different. And I honestly believe... Rugby's got to the stage where tinkering's not going to do anything. We, we have to show people that, that what they're going to see is going to be different, to bring them back, even, even to get their interest to come back and have a look. Mm. Whereas, yeah, unfortunately, what's happened is, uh, well, that hasn't happened. Um, after Paul McLean told me that Scott Johnson would get in contact with me, well, I waited three weeks and it, it didn't happen. Uh, eventually, Dick Marks wrote a letter to um, uh, Hamish McLennan and, and Rob Clark and said, uh, you know, this was supposed to happen. Can it, can it somebody hurry this up? So Scott Johnson did call me. Uh, he went through what they're going to trial at the, um, the, the law variations they're going to introduce at the super rugby level. But he, he admitted he hadn't seen the videos, but he promised he wouldn't get back to me. Well, that's three weeks ago now, and he hasn't. So, you know, if you look at the, 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 the variations or the amendments they're introducing uh, in a few weeks' time, uh, look, I don't want to be too critical because they're actually having a go at it. But the bottom line, Scott Johnson, he's got his own agenda. His main job with, the, with Rugby Australia is to make sure Australia does well at the end of the season when we play New Zealand. 
David Wessels and the other super rugby coaches, I mean, of course they've got their own agenda. I mean, their livelihood depends mm. on the performances of their teams, for God's sake. Whereas our group, we might be former internationals or former, you know, coaches at fairly high levels, but right now we're none of those things. We're spectators. And as spectators, we're saying there's a problem. Uh, you know, you, you, we're losing numbers at every level of the game. Um, and people aren't watching it on TV and they're not going to games, for God's sake. You know, from a spectator point of view, the game will always be interesting. And the last thing I'd ever want to do is change the very, like the foundations of our game. We're different because we have scrums, we have lineouts, we have rucks and all. We have all those things. That's what makes us different. And, and it makes it a very interesting game. You know, like our game is interesting, but it's no longer entertaining. And that's the problem. Could we trial some of those really easy fixes at community level, Barry? I mean, I mean, when I watch a community game of rugby, it's a bit scrappy at times and a bit messy and a bit slow, and it all it all dictates around the fitness of players and the ability levels and that sort of stuff. But you could certainly still, have you had any good feedback from any of the um, states around potentially trialing a couple of these at community level? Well, that's interesting because uh, that's exactly what we're now doing having missed the opportunity to uh, have a more of a say in what's happening at the super rugby level, we, we have uh, permission from the QIU through Gavin head uh, to trial a trial, uh, a good number of our amendments up at uh, on the sunshine coast as a start. So we will be meeting with coaches and referees up here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they have two rounds uh, before the end of the season and uh, we'll be introducing uh, three or four of those amendments that we, we highly recommend which which we've, we've spoken about so far this evening actually we'll be introducing four of say three or four of those and then in the second round introduce a few more but we'll be doing it each week those games will be videoed we'll be having meetings with coaches referees at the end of the um, uh, the, the season as well uh, we'll have We'll, we'll submit those videos to Rugby Australia, uh, to the Queensland Rugby Union, and we'll, we'll feature interviews with players, coaches, referees, and spectators. Uh, we can't do much more than that, to be honest with you. And uh, by the end of that, I can retire. I've done my job. <laughs> I'd strongly so you, you could live stream those games on through a YouTube channel, something like that, Barry, and get the general public to watch them online and provide their comments as to whether they think it's better to watch too. I mean, it's a great I mean, idea. To, to net technology these days, you only need one camera at the game and someone to be able to yes, have the skills do. to upload the video. So be able to see those games live stream. Oh, I'd watch them mm. to see what it was like. That, so, that's a great idea. You know. We'd probably leave it till the second round because it would take probably yeah. all of the first round for them to yeah. adjust because we're making you know, much greater changes than uh, is being made at super rugby level. So we, we, that'd be great. In fact, I'll, I'll look at that, Mitch, and see if we can do something about that. And Barry, the, are the coaches and referees you've spoken to, are they enthusiastic about these changes? Yeah, absolutely. M Mike Aronson, who I mentioned before, he's in charge of rugby up here. Uh, he, he's super keen. We, we brought him into a meeting up here with, uh, with our group just recently and, um, he, he's, he's excited about what we can achieve up here. And, and the thing is, Wayne Smith also, you know, who writes for the Australian, mm. he lives on the sunny coast. He's totally behind the whole thing. So he's going to really promote the thing 
as, as, as heavily as he can. Uh, so it's going to be great once it gets up and going. So what? So why is it that the the greater mass of rugby population are all for these changes, but uh, the, the pointy end, nothing nothing happens. Uh, I, I wish I had the answer to that. I really don't, um, and that is the problem. That is the problem. But I think like, I think you got the right approach, Barry. You you go through the community level, test it out there, get a bit of momentum with it. Yeah. I know this. Your videos and your surveys generated discussion out there in the rugby social media world out there and all the rest of it and everyone's got an opinion which is great because everyone's passionate about the game but you get it out there get some people playing it try it test it if it works great people will pick on it and they'll jump on the bandwagon going from the top down doesn't always work yeah so what are the what are the three or four that you've you're going to try and implement well, the big one is the, the five-metre defence line from the breakdown. That's the biggest one. It's the one that I think will make the, the biggest difference. Uh, the second one we've already mentioned as well, it's, it's reducing penalties to those four areas of the game I mentioned before. They'll become free kicks. I think that will have a huge uh, influence on the game. Uh, the rolling mall, where I, I don't think we can bring in the bringing down rolling mall because... To get that through as a dispensation, there'll still be an argument about its safety. So we won't be doing that. But we will be saying that there will be no scrum or line-out uh, formed within 10 metres of the trial land. Like, currently, it's five metres. We're actually going to, when we set this up, uh, have a 10-metre line with still a five. We'll have a five and a 10-metre line, basically. Uh, so any time there's a, a line-out formed or a scrum formed for whatever reason, it can't be within 10 metres of the try line. Uh, and also, scrums or line-outs, uh, sorry, scrums or rolling malls can't be driven more than five metres. Now, that means, of course, uh, that you can't, you basically can't, for, you can't score a try directly from a rolling mall. Mm. You can drive a rolling mall five metres then you can have a pod that breaks off. And provided that pod breaks off where it's not obstruction, that's fine. So it just brings another element in the game. It doesn't stop you from scoring tries from that position. It just prevents people from uh, doing it basically illegally, which is what's happening now. Uh, there are three. The other thing that I'm very keen to introduce is to, and it, it reminded me very much of watching these games from New Zealand over the weekend. Like when I see a line out one, and the ball taken down into a into a mall, and the mall driven two meters or something. So the defence line comes from the ten meter defence line up to zero again. What the hell have you achieved by driving a mall two meters? Uh, it, it it seems crazy to me. And yet that happened, you know, over and over and over again in these games that I watched on the weekend, and in a lot of other games. Uh, the the other what I'd like to do is introduce as soon as the as soon as, as soon as the ball is caught in a lineout, as soon as it's controlled and taken down, it's not a lineout anymore. That lineout's been won. It is now a maul. So if it's a maul, the five meter defence line that applies at ruck and maul, then applies. So you know if you imagine if a back line was back at ten, at the original lineout, and a team takes it down in a maul and forms a maul. Well, that defence line can come up, but they can't come to zero because it's a mall. They can only come to five metres. Now, that gives the, attack, the, the attacking team a tremendous advantage, much more than they had when it was brought up to the old zero metre defence line again. 
So that's another one we'd like to introduce right from the word go. There's other sort of smaller ones that we'll introduce in the second round. Um, uh, the, um, but, but I think if we, if we stick with those three, that, that's enough to keep them busy and keep the referees happy, if you know what I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> for yeah, at least absolutely. one round. They'll have enough to work on. Well, um, yeah, and, and Barry, yeah, full credit to, to getting this off the ground and, and implemented. I've got a, probably a couple of concerns around the five-metre defensive line and how referees going to manage it because they can't manage a zero-metre defensive line at the moment, <laughs> let alone a f two defensive lines where you've got a ruck defensive line and then one five metres back. And I reckon that's going to be a, a real challenge, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. Um, and obviously well, the proof's I, I be understand that too, trialing. but see... They they can uh, they can adjudicate the five metre equally as badly as they adjudicate the zero. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, there's going to be I cheats do. out there. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see with yeah on that. Um, one of the things that I know the referees have said to all of us in the uh, in the Aussie Super Rugby comp that's coming up, and what they've looked at in the New Zealand comp is why we're getting a lot more penalties for that offside. Is that nowadays now how they're going to referee that offside line is that they're not going to give the defence the benefit of the doubt if they feel you've got the jump on it at all. So now it's going to be, you need to prove that you are on, you're well and truly on Absolutely. the side and you're behind totally the last agree. person yeah. in the ruck. Um, and so much so that the way we've been training is that we're, if we're not a metre back, we're going to be, we're offside is how we're treating it. Because even if we're just jumping, if they look up and they feel that we're offside or the, the assistant referees on the edges feel that we're offside and it might be just that your timing's bang on, but you've, if they look at, look up and they see you and they think, no, he's, he's right on the edge, they're going to be penalising yeah. us straight away to tr just set that tone early. So it'll be interesting to see just how that opens up a little bit more yeah. space, having no, a metre back. I, that, that, I really agree with that. Look, the thing is, I mean, pick, picture this sort of a situation where, like, as in New, what they've done in New Zealand now with all these penalties at the breakdown, you know, um, if, if at, a, at a, a breakdown and under the the rules that we want to implement with this five meter line, if if the and when we've got referees on the sideline as well, remember, I mean, their job is to be able to keep they keep the ten, they keep the five from line out and scrum. Why can't they keep the five also from the breakdown? Now, mm. you know, they don't get anywhere near as much time to do that, but that's still their job to try to keep that five from the breakdown. Now, if the referee on the field gets the signal that they're, they're offside or something. He will, signal, he will signal an advantage. He shouldn't pull it up straight away. He'll signal an advantage and let the play go. And if the attacking team doesn't get the advantage, just picture this. He'll be running straight over to that point where, this, where, where he was told somebody hadn't had their five metres and then give a free kick, by the way. Or, or in fact, if it's an offside, he'll give a penalty. But we, well, that's the other thing. In fact, this is a, a bone of contention even with our group. Um, I, I don't, my argument is I don't want a full penalty from every offside. I mean, there are offsides and offsides, as you know, you know, a team is, you know, a couple of meters out from the trial and some is blatantly offside and prevents a try. I mean, that is a totally different situation than somebody four Just meters. Just front row. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, there's, the, unintent there's the unintentional and intentional offside, isn't there, Barry? And you could do yeah. something like the soccer where, you know, you've got a touch judge or an assistant referee that I know where they usually put the flag out for foul play in rugby, but in soccer they put their flag out for offside, don't they? So That's Rod McQueen's, Rod McQueen's idea there was for that touch judge to put his, just put the flag out like they do in soccer to indicate, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, but let I, the play go. Don't you, pull you, it up. Let the play go and have an advantage. Means you're kind of kind of relying on the honourability of those those at grassroots levels to be honest and has some integrity around how they get involved in the game, which is always challenging as well. But um, everyone down at Netties would be great with it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think you know, as I said before, I think it's got some merit, and I'd love to see it in the practical sense and see how it's yes. implemented, yeah. just to see whether or not it is an impact. But I yep. think. But I think the big one is, you know, if you've got, you've got some very clever halfbacks out there and, you know, they've been undervalued and we could probably cut off their feet and not let them box kick would be a good start. <laughs> but but just having them like a TJ Perinara, the ability of him to take quick taps through free kicks, you can imagine how much Absolutely. faster the game would be and how yes. much more exciting and open mm-hmm. it would be and the, the amount of more tries would be scored from those elements of the game. Um, back that's a, that's a great be, point. Because yeah, back I mean, rowers would win, uh, I think, because yeah. they, they have to the, do twice the best halfbacks in the world right now are the best kickers. Like, yeah, which not, is embarrassing. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. So, you know, so getting them, being them, getting them to be able to have that little bit of extra space to be able to run and be attacking yeah. and be that little, you know, pest that halfbacks are meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. The, the points you made is a very good. Like a lot of comments I've had from the survey is that, oh, they hate the bloody half, the half scrum half box kicking all the time. But yeah. the, the bottom line is, <laughs> the bottom line is after 12 or 13 attempts to break that defensive line, the most successful player good scrum half has got, if he's got a good box kick, is to put the, put the play 20 metres downfield and let them have to try to break yeah. your line. Into a contest. You know what I mean? it's, it, that's it. So... Mm. Yeah, I, I can see why there's, there's so many box kicks in the in the, in the current game. Babe, before we let you go, what were your, what were your thoughts on making it four quarters? Uh, the reason for that was was to try to avoid all the delays of having, uh, particularly in that last 25 minutes of the game. Like we see, we got eight replacements at you know elite level rugby, and all, almost every game you see, you'll get eight replacements before the end of the game. Uh, I, I, that's always annoyed me. Um, and when there is replacements, it's usually a time for somebody to sit down and trainers run half a dozen trainers run on the field with water bottles. Our idea there is two things is is to basically stop that from happening and, and only have replacements at half and quarter times. You wouldn't expect to have too many replacements in the first quarter, but you might, but certainly you'd get a lot in that second quarter, which means replacements would come on and they'd have at least 20 minutes of rugby. And the other thing I suppose that's annoyed me from an old test player, I suppose, is when I see a player go on with four minutes to go and he gets a test cap, that really (laughs) gives me the, I shouldn't say, but it gives me the shits. Yeah. you know, like that's how I got six of my caps, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what my first get, ten super caps were. <laughs> Rod McQueen wasn't game enough to take Joe Roffa bench in off the field to get me on there to give me a cap, mate. So settle down, okay? It was. I was going to say it was Rod with me as well. He wanted to leave Fryer out there. <laughs> this is a, this is a bit of history that you probably don't know. But my my first. Uh, Selection in a Wallaby team was 1967, the 75th anniversary of New Zealand rugby. And back in there, it was only one off test at Athletic Park. Now, there was only 20 in the squad. Um, and of course, there was no replacements back then. So once you weren't in, I was 18 years old, I wasn't in the test side. So Johnny Hipwell and myself and a couple of others, we were in the grandstand in our, in our blazers. And of course, Phil Smith broke his collarbone in the first 10 minutes. 
they brought him off and he was a centre. They brought him off in the, in the dressing shed, strapped up his right arm and put him on the left wing so he could catch. <laughs> and he played three quarters of the game with a broken collarbone. <laughs> and we sat up in the grandstand. It was crazy. So, you know. That's old school. I was old denied school. a test cap. I was really upset. <laughs> you could have had a gig there. <laughs> I I do I I do like it's something that we we mooted uh, we we spoke about in rapid rugby having the four quarters though because um, it got it got a few of us thinking as well you you can only make the changes at each quarter and then the way you can play the game it's also almost like you bring like a the way they play ice hockey with their different lines so you could go out there and yep. say well, we've got a big big pack we're going to just look to really play all our big boys in this quarter. Then our next quarter, we might bring a mo- more mobile pack out. We might have this. There might be an opportunity here. So let's have our, our lighter pack that yep. be out there. Yep. I'm only talking about forwards because that's just about all I know, really. But we have <laughs> our faster guys out. Maybe them, okay, well, we're getting on top here. Maybe this next quarter we bring, you know, this, this kind of pack out to give us this ascendancy here. And you kind of have that tactical change which you can use throughout the game for each quarter. Yeah, well, a lot of coaches even now like change their tactics from the first and the second half. That, that brings that in, of course, for quarters. But the other thing about it is, too, it actually gives you more rugby because, you know, like with the laws at present, even when 40 minutes is up at half time now, play can go for an extra two or three minutes. Hmm. At the end of the eight, it can go for two or three minutes. Well, if you've got quarters, you can actually get a, a few more minutes in the game, which people who are really keen on the rugby, and if the rugby's worth watching, they'll all really enjoy. Yep, and, something to look at. And just a final quote that I'd like to just get your, your thoughts on. Um, it was on, on the one of the, the videos from, it was Pierre Villapreux, I think it might have been, in 1987. Villapreux. Yeah, Villapreux. Yeah, yeah. And he said, he said, the problem with rugby is we spend too much time coaching backs to play like forwards. We should be coaching forwards to play like backs. Is that, does that sort of sum up what you're trying to do? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. My, uh, there was another one that didn't appear in that video. I actually took out. Yeah, my, my, one of my best mates was Jake Howard. Uh, Jake Howard was a, a tight head prop back in my day and, and Jake player. was a very good guest speaker and often asked, you know, Jake, who's, who's the most important player on a rugby field? And he'd, of course, he'd say the tight head prop and he'd said, uh, and the second most important player is the reserve tight head prop. Uh, and and it, it says it all about the thinking of people like Heath. I'm sorry, Heath. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> so two very wise men. Hey, I, can, I completely <laughs> understand. Yeah, and I always say, I always say, Barry, every back doesn't want to be a forward and every forward wants to be a back. Well said, Mitch. Well we said. just know that we can do I, both. I That's you, all. We know you. we can do both. <laughs> uh, that's great. Well, Barry, mate, thank you very much. I know you'll never get everyone agreeing on every item, but, but all rugby fans appreciate the time and thought and effort you've put in to try and improve the game. So, look, thanks. Good luck with everything and well done. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Heath. Thanks, Mitch. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Barry. Thanks, Barry. Thanks, Barry. Cheers. So that was Barry Honan, former Wallaby and a passionate rugby man. And do do you think that the powers that be will ever change the laws that much? I mean, Mitch, you talked about it. The English, they're all quite happy with how things are going. It's really Australia are the ones that are pushing for these changes because the game's struggling here. Yeah, and New Zealand are trialling a couple of, you know, variations of laws, which I don't think you know, it's going to have a massive impact. But there's not, as, as Barry pointed out, there's nothing stopping community rugby or Australian rugby experimenting with some of the things. We've seen it in the NRC, Global Rapid Rugby. Um, so there's nothing stopping Australia playing around with some of the elements to make it more attractive for participants and spectators. Mm. And 
And that, the output of that could be we end up with a better national team because they've been playing at a faster pace or a faster tempo or a more expansive style, for example. Um, we've, we've got to try something to be a point of difference and re-establish ourselves in world rugby. And there's nothing, nothing looking within, nothing wrong with looking within to make that happen. Yeah. If, if you were playing now, I mean, I, you, you watch the rugby league on the weekend and, and, and the rugby union and the outside backs in the league get a lot more ball than they do in, in rugby union. If you're a young kid and Mitch, if it's you take yourself back 40 years when you're a young kid playing, would you be more steered towards league than union just because of the opportunities you would get as a back? Is that the sort no, of... Th- I- I'd probably still steer towards rugby union because I still think the skill level of rugby players is far superior than league. And to be perfectly blunt, Mickey, I wouldn't want to have my head bashed in like what happens in a rugby league game. And I don't envy some of those blokes. I mean, some of the the shots on the weekend from the league games were phenomenal. (laughs) And um, I I think it was the Sharks game. Some bloke got absolutely ironed out. Um, But but then I still watched the rugby union games, the, the Kiwi games on the weekend. They were terrific. I still enjoyed them. And, their skill level is still fantastic. Yeah, wingers aren't getting much ball, but the, the games are still really enjoyable to watch, yeah. in my, my, my mind. Well, I think he's got to that high tempo as well, which makes it that it can make it a little bit hard because the ball's being moved a lot, freak, like it's being moved frequently, but just not as wide, which makes it tougher for, for wingers to get involved as much unless it's off those set pieces or yeah. they go looking for it a lot in and around that ruck area. And that's definitely just, not a winger's game anymore. No. And some of the videos, Ooh. some of the videos that... Um, Whose game is it? <laughs> <laughs> some of the videos that, that Barry had up where they showed the ruck and, like, as you were talking about, players not committing. And there was seven of the attacking team in the ruck and, and 15 defenders, not, like no defensive players in the ruck. So you had 15 on eight. So you, you're never going to break the defensive line. It's almost two on one. And I mean, it's, it's no something good. that we're all taught and coached now as well. Like the least, less amount of guys you can commit to a ruck, the more effective yeah. your defensive line will be. And yeah. it, it forces oppositions to kick because they just look up and they see a good wall. So a wall. You, you, don't, you don't want to play with that. So they're going to get rid of it. Mm. Yeah. And like the video that, that it went to 34 phases or whatever it is, the, the Hurricanes Chiefs game, I think it was. Um, if you had the free kick in play, Yako was just sitting there. He could have given a penalty at any point in time, numerous times in those 34 phases. If you had the free kick element and that attacking team had a free kick, it would have changed the whole dynamic of attack straight away. Being able to do a quick tap and go, yeah. all of a sudden the game would have broken open. Breaks up. Like, yep. Yeah, rather than Yako sitting there saying, oh, I don't want to give away a penalty or I'm just going to look for the absolute certain penalty. Yep. 34 phases later, he gives one. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, like that's that's where it's a perfect example where a free kick automatically breaks the whole thing open. Yeah. So the game certainly needs to be more exciting, and that's exactly what our next segment is. It's tea time with Tess and Tess. Who have we got this week? That's a hell of a segue to that one, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week, we've been fortunate enough to sit down with with our own US Eagle, Marcel Brashi. So Marcel and I had a little bit of a chat, um, caught up, and yeah, just talked about life a little while. All right, let's take a listen to Tea Time with Tess and Marcel Bracky. G'day, everyone, and welcome to this week's Tea Time with Tess. This week, we're very fortunate to have the international eagle. I was going to say the man of mystery, but you're not really that mysterious. Like, it just sounds good off the back of international eagle. Bit of an Austin Powers theme, but the man himself, Marcel Brashy. Marcy, thank you for coming on Tea Time with Tess. Thanks, Tess, for having me. Oh, 
I'm excited to have you on here, mate. I'm excited really, to be yeah. on. It's been quite a list of people that you've had. It's yeah, and I mean, as a fellow podcaster as well, um, like it's, I'm, I'm pumped to, to, you know, to really, you know, throw a bit of chatter out and like the banter with Bash, Brashy yeah. podcast. Um, yeah, the uh, banter with Brashy had its uh, one and only member uh, return recently in John and Lance. So, mm, so we can knows, we can look to pick that back. You know, it could possibly have a second episode at some stage in the, that in the is, future. That is exciting. I look, I'm look. i inviting myself on, but I look forward to uh, getting on there for some chat. Um, let's just, just kick things off uh, like we usually do. If you'd just give us a little, a little history of yourself, um, you know, basically your journey to how you've ended up here playing for the force. Um, yeah, so I was uh, playing... Uh, rugby in South Africa, Cape Town specifically, at the um, University of Cape Town uh, from 2010 oh, the to 2013, and in that time I was very lucky to be able to be uh, picked up by the Western Province Rugby um, Union um, and played with the uh, professional outfit of Western Province and the Stormers for two fall. With our fellow years. force man, Isaac as well, isn't it? That's correct. Um, and... Uh, along uh, the lines of knowing um, some of the um, people involved at the force at the time, um, namely uh, Kevin Foot, who was a coach here, he um, gave me the opportunity to come on over and um, experience a new country, a new city, um, and a new organisation in the Western Force. And you know, it was a, a very exciting time for myself, and I decided to, to jump at it. So um, at the end of 2013, I came across. Um, with the initial intentions of you know possibly spending a couple years here and then moving on somewhere else, but um, you know those two years have turned into um, seven. Yeah, seven of the best, um, and uh, certainly kind of imagine things going as uh, I would say well right now. I think yeah, things have been um, quite up and down over the last couple of years, but certainly in retrospect it's been probably the best decision i've made um yeah I mean, abs- absolutely like we talk about perth's got a pretty special or it's turned into a pretty special place i mean coming here uh just to play you know maybe a couple of years of rugby and then look to move on a lot's happened since you've been here you've met your wife yes yes um i met lauren here and, um and uh yeah we uh ended up uh, eloping down in um <laughs> margaret river Filthy, I didn't get an invitation yes, to that. Yes, yes, yeah. uh, you along with everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as well as uh, uh, we were very lucky to w- uh, welcome our baby boy West um, into the world in uh, December of last year. So mm. uh, Perth will, will always and uh, have a very, very uh, special place in our hearts. And uh, yeah, we're just very excited to be here and, and continue um, on the journey. So that's Perth. What have we? Uh, what have we looked at the force specifically? What um, What's been your favourite experience with the force so far? If you it's, can choose one. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I've I've been very lucky to have spent some time here, so to have experienced some some very rewarding moments. Um, I I think to be honest, the the most the biggest highlight was uh, May the fourth of two thousand and eighteen, oh, uh, when we reintroduced ourselves back into the world. Um, at HBF Park against Fiji. Um, I, I think for so many reasons, it was just such an, a special night to have uh, experienced you know, so much of what had gone on previously 
uh, for the six months but then to ex have experienced this resurgence of a, a new western force and you know to have been a part of that and to see something grow from the ground up um, you know for me personally I'd never been involved in something like that to, to, so to see it and be on the ground level to see it uh, it culminate in that evening was just made that night extra special obviously scoring a try helps so let me just pump up my gears there a little oh, bit yeah. as well and the win um, but certainly was a special night um, everything from you know the, the build up the game to the sellout crowd to the victory to the songs afterwards you know it was just it, it was one of the, the best experiences I've certainly had as, mm. as both a force player and as a rugby player Okay, and what, what about away from rugby then? Um, not ex excluding loan, um, and we'll exclude run amok hot dogs down in sure, sure. down in Ferrara because I know that you're a huge fan of those. Um, but what what what's the best thing you have discovered about WA or Perth in general? Oh, coffee. Coffee. Honestly, I I came to Perth and I came to Australia as a. Um, one and a half teaspoons of instant with boiling water and a touch of milk. <laughs> well, are we talking international roast here <laughs> exactly, or yeah, yeah, the know, good can't, stuff? Can't mess it up. And I've <laughs> turned into a well and truly coffee snob. What are you rocking at home? You, have you got some instruments at home? Um, I know you're looking you know, at investing. We had the French press and, you know, after uh, see, spending some time and, and watching Adam Zampa on uh, the test, which I, I got stuck into during ISO, I... I thought that why not try um, some of that uh, really hipster type coffee, which is just black coffee made. Um, how does he make it? He makes it in. Uh, he makes it. How does he do it? I don't know. I haven't watched the test. I've frozen. I haven't got any, I haven't got access to Amazon Prime, yeah, so yeah. I'm waiting for a friend to try and deal me oh, some. Really? Yeah. We're going to bring in public <laughs> about how we're sharing, sharing accounts. Well, we? we're not on. I'm not yeah. sharing them with anyone, unfortunately. Uh, but you know, long story short, I'm I'm now a, a large long Mac topped up man, um, which is okay. Know, so the next step from there is a, a long Mac half topped up as well. That, I think in the stages of wank. As far as coffee goes, I think that's the next level. Okay, well, I mean, being a man who spent plenty of time in Victoria as well, Tess, you'd be uh, well and truly versed in all the coffee <laughs> language, so I will certainly try that mm -hmm. and see how that goes for my uh, my coffee my coffee taste. Okay, uh, so so what else um, away from the field? What what does your downtime involve? Like a lot of nappy changing right now, yes, I'm yes. sure. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, we've all had quite a bit of downtime, which has been awesome. Um, so, um, if if it was just you know what we're going into on the weekend, just getting back to some semblance of normal life, we would have us, you know, trying to get out and and getting to the beach, um, just you know, to get out and and, and touch some water and some sand, and um, you know, we we enjoy just relaxing at home. You know, mm. if if there's an opportunity to have a, a quiet moment, we. Uh, probably just you know do some light reading um, on Lauren's part, and you know I've I've certainly got into my podcasts recently, so um, just tr to have some downtime for a half an hour. Um, uh, I enjoy you know watching sport if it's on. Um, hopefully you know not too much of it, just to try and help uh, with the excitement levels coming back to training. You know. <laughs> you know. Not too much sport always helps you uh, create a bit of fondness for it. So, um, 
and then just spending time really as as you'd know with with the little one and, and just mm. you know watching them grow is, is always fun and it's been such a rewarding time for us as a family so um yeah you, know, you, you suddenly realize how you know your time is, is not your own anymore and, and that's very rewarding as well to see um what you're able to um, yeah. what you're able to do with your family no, there's, a, there's a lot of growth through that period isn't there yeah certainly it's been uh, it's been really fun alright well um, oh, that was uh, we'll go we'll go from something that was really nice and deep to something <laughs> little, <laughs> that's probably a little bit more um, I don't know light hearted I, I don't want to lighten the, I don't want to lessen the mood though I mean that's <laughs> You know, it's 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 a true thing. You we've just had... take me wherever you want to go. <laughs> we've been we've been very lucky with this with the downtime though as well. Like I agree that you know being able to spend some more time at home, more time than we probably usually would, especially for you with West, with him being you know, less than six months of age, being able to watch him grow and change and turn into a little human being, it's pretty exciting, and we're pretty fortunate to have it. Um, we'll we'll flick on from there with uh, a few quick fire ones there. You mentioned podcasts there. What's your What's your favorite podcast that you're listening to, right now? What What have you got on repeat? Um, on repeat, I've got a um, ESPN uh, oh, series yeah. called The Thirty for Thirties. Is a, excellent uh, independent um, docu series, uh, which has then been turned into a podcast series. If uh, you have the opportunity, uh, get on it. There's some amazing sports stories out there. Favorite story. Um, there's a series on the Sterling Affairs, which is quite eye-opening oh. um, to the world of uh, NBA ownership. Yeah. Um, and the series pretty much dives into the LA Clippers and its ownership and the transfer to Steve mm. Ballmer, who, who owns it currently now. Mm. So that's really interesting. Uh, what about your favourite book then? Uh, favourite book would probably be Shantaram. Oh uh, yeah, heavy read. Yeah, very heavy read. Uh, quite a journey as well. It took me long enough to finish it, but certainly <laughs> uh, gave an insight into a country which uh, we, as a family, would really like to visit one day, which is India. Mm-hmm. Um, and set in a time where um, you know the world wasn't as complicated as it is now, um, and a story of you know sort of this guy going through some troubles and you know finding a place where. Um, you know, your troubles are sort of put into perspective, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, uh, really, really cool read, and I really enjoyed that. Very relevant now as well with everything yeah, everything much. going on in the world with having children too. Yeah, pretty much so. Uh, what about your favourite movie? What's uh, a quick... Pop Fiction. Easy answer yeah, there. Easy, yeah. <laughs> favourite concert or favourite, if you could listen to anyone in concert? Uh, interestingly, my favourite band would be... Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, which mm. is quite interesting, um, and my favourite concert that I've been to, uh, oh, Justin Timberlake. Without wow, we yes, can perform. I am a big fan of JT, <laughs> and you know, on the same lines, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So, yeah, you know, I was. Uh, gonna, I saw the Chili Peppers twenty years ago. Now yeah. that I think about it, when I was yeah. fifteen. Yeah, so um, I was wow, really lucky to see them. Uh, before I left Cape Town and then I was mm. very lucky to see Justin Timberlake with the man they call Slack Van Vyk oh, um, in 2014 and it was fantastic mm. so, Franz Van Vyk yeah. up He's with the Saints now yes he's yes. entertaining enough watching him oh completely a man who has whose English has deteriorated since moving to, to England somehow yeah, so it's uh, very interesting <laughs> what about um, so we're, we're, we're off to the Hunter Valley for our hub to play against the East Coast teams 
Um, you get your room key, head to your room, open the door, who's sitting on your bed, and you just give a little fist pump. You go, yes, this is going to be good. Um, I've been... It's been quite a, a journey in terms of the roommates. Mm. Um, I've had the fortunate um, opportunity to room with quite a variety of roommates over the past few years. Um, you know who I liked? I liked Henry Tafu. Really? Yeah, I like Tafes a lot, you know, like you're learning a lot from Tafes. A quiet but measured young man. He's got a few stories and jokes as well. So yeah, I'd definitely fist pump if I saw Tafes in there. Awesome. What about you uh what about if you open the door and who do you see that your shoulders slump? You're like, oh, this is this is gonna be a long week. Oh I love him. Brad Lacey. There's a big butt though. There's Brad, a big butt Brad coming Lacey, in. Brad Lacey, yeah. That's, <laughs> he, he, that's, it's just a shout out to Brad really on the podcast. But yeah, what a... We want to put him a, in there. What a fantastic ball of energy, the, the old Lace. But I certainly am... Whether positive uh, or negative. Yeah, energy. exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, like with, with, with West and you know, the, the amount of... Uh, race that you need when you get it you know brad's not gonna offer you that so it's uh um it, it's a it's it's a positive that's for sure if i see brad but i certainly will be uh, you're already ca- looking not up. catching up on as much sleep you're as already looking after be. kids at yeah. home you don't need to do it on your tour <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um what about someone who you admire in the whether in our group or someone as well um external to the force group um I'm a big admirer of the guys who've stayed here. So, the, I mean, it's not a pump up, but I mean, the guys like yourself and uh, and Sitchi and 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 Brainard and yourself um, as well. Let's not you. forget yeah. about you, um, Chris Alcock. Um, I think purely because I see the determination and the drive that. Um, you guys have on a daily basis and to push yourselves and to not be ready to just settle um, and just to be um, okay with just going along but to really drive the standard and push the standard um, I, I, I think it's it, it helps me to, to continually look to push myself if I know that the guys that um, who are the who, who could easily just settle and be the most um, you know, who will just be seen as the most experienced players from um, a time spent point of view, but, you know, want to be experienced in terms of knowledge level um, and, and passing that on to the next group. I, I think I really admire uh, you guys um, and specifically the guys, you know, that I, I'd mentioned that have both been here and um, come back, you know, and mm. K-Bombs in that as well. and. I think that's something that we're fortunate fortunate enough to have yeah. someone like you in the group as well. Like I know personally, I've learned a lot from you wanting to learn too. So I think you know we're lucky to have each other. Yeah, thanks. We push each other through that. Yeah. Um, what about your? What was your first job? Uh, first job was oh, um, serving uh, at a uh, sort of. <laughs> sorry <laughs> that is amazing yeah sorry for for the listeners we've just had Jonah Placid walk by with a bright fluoro uh, hoodie on that says don't text your ex on the back yeah, bold so it's yeah it's brave <laughs> but anyway uh, your first, uh, first job first job I worked for a, um, a serving company um, 
And I would just go and uh, wait to wait to mass. Yeah, wait. Uh, Something you and Kieran Longbottom have in common then as well. Yeah, he was nice. waitering too. Well, I mean, I think Tuggy would be probably the waiter that I'd most look forward to having. He'd give you a full array of the options on the well, menu. That's if all the food came out. Exactly. As well. Yeah. I've got uh, a feeling you might fit between the tables a little bit better than. Kieran. Yes. Yes. Yeah, certainly, I'm able to slide between. And from what Kieran uh, said about his experience, there'd be a bit less sweat on plates when oh, you were delivering yeah. it as well. And, and I think that that was the moment that K Bomb had to hand in his uh, <laughs> apron. Yeah, <laughs> and they said thanks, thanks the hairnet right, just thanks. wasn't cutting it yeah exactly yeah. Uh, what about your dream job then um at the moment my dream job is to is I'm working that out mm-hmm. uh, but it would uh, what it would look like would be a job that uh instilled the same amount of excitement and passion that I have with this job yeah um, and I've narrowed it down to a couple I'd love to either be a teacher mm-hmm. or uh, a coach of, of some sort and uh, also in the fire services so um, you know it's uh, I can it's, see you on that calendar that's for sure well, thank you that's very kind of you with my gherkin like body but um, <laughs> uh, the camera adds 10 pounds so you'll yeah, bulk up there's more oil than anything else but uh <laughs> Yeah, so so like like I said, working that out uh, and and trying to find that passion, um, and so uh, helping people achieve, helping people improve, achieve. Yes, exactly, and 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 working within a standard that 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 pushes you to 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 be better um, yeah. for the person around you. Um, so yeah, those those are things that I'm working towards. Awesome. I. Uh, so, with yeah, with us uh, not really going into public too much like still just staying at our staying grinding our axe doing our work getting ready for this competition having a too much time to be social when when we're allowed to go to the pub and and have our first beer uh wh- where are you going to go what kind of what beer are you going to have and who are you going to have it with oh wow it's a great question it's a big uh, three-part question yeah it is um so i guess the pub that I'd most like to go to would be, um, you know, in uh, um, Fremantle, there's that Esplanade Hotel. There's a beautiful mm. pub just on the corner there. Yeah, not that one. Not that <laughs> one. Just, uh, I think it's the, I think it's the South Beach Hotel. Um, and I'd like to get a Rogers beer, Ooh. dark ale. Beautiful. Mini, uh, so you can still drive yeah, home. Yes, exactly. Well, it's responsibility. Um, and I'd like to have it with the Snow Pope. Oh, um, yeah. Jeremy the Thrush. Snow Pope Jeremy Thrush. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, I think uh, it'd be great to have a yarn with uh, Jerry and, and hear his thoughts on uh, how his last six months have gone and how things are going in New Zealand. And, uh, and you guys could talk. Because like similar interests for after rugby as well. Exactly, with, yeah. With, with coaching passion, and things yeah. like that. Um, so, yeah. That's a good little... That's a nice little group there. <laughs> nice little refreshed group. Oh, yes, of course, because you're there as well. I mean, this well, is... Well, I was going to interview, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only there because I've invited myself. Yeah, yeah. which... Uh, which is don't. what usually happens. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, and just going into this competition... Where we're playing these uh, the super super AU competition, what do you think our point of difference will be um, against some of these East Coast teams? 
Um, I think our point of difference is that we will bring something that they possibly haven't played against. So, um, and also us not having been exposed much to them, we don't really have a baseline to be nervous or underprepared or overprepared mm-hmm. for. We just know are lucky to know our own game. Yeah. Um, and to go into a competition which has, you know, a, a whole array of exciting things to to bring with regards to rules, which we have are lucky enough to have been exposed to in some way. Um, but I think the less exposure that we've had actually benefits us in that, you know, we we have no previous experience against teams like this. I mean, obviously the NRC is one thing, but um, a lot of a lot of Wallabies are now involved, which is exciting. Yeah, um, and uh, we can go out there and really just play our own game and and true to our own style. I like it. Um, and uh, yeah, we look forward to to hopefully showcasing that. Um. Um, and then just to wrap things up here, we're going to do our weekly segment with Marcy, um, two truths and a lie, which we can head over to the Rugby Rap Facebook page to get voting to say which one you think is the uh, which one's the lie. So, Marcy, hit us with um, with your two truths and a lie. Sure. Um, so, three things you should know about me is that I am a budding yoga enthusiast. Mm-hmm. I can sing... Moves like a panther. Yeah, I can sing happy birth, the happy birthday song in three different languages. Which languages? Uh, Hosa, mm-hmm. Spanish, oh, okay. and English. all right all right interesting and i uh was a provincial cricketer a provincial cricketer it's like a state state cricketer cricketer, what age what age was that at uh that was between the ages of 13 Mm -hmm. and 19 wow yes long time cricketer yeah Okay, he didn't look up and to the left when he answered that question, but the... Uh, yeah, the other two, you can't... The other two, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, so th- those are your three options there. That he's a, he's a budding yoga enthusiast. can sing happy birthday in three different languages. One of them is English. One of which is English. Well, we don't, you know, we're, we're narrowing down. <laughs> <laughs> and that he was also a provincial cricketer uh, through his youth. Head over to the uh, Rugby Rap Facebook page and get voting on that. And as we knock off, I'd just like to say, Marcy, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure getting you on, mate. Um, and enjoy coming into work with you every day, seeing you in here and just being able to spend time with you, mate. We're very lucky to have you as a part of our team. And thanks for uh, being on Tea Time with Tess this week. Thanks so much for having me. So that was Marcel Brackey enjoying Tea Time with Tess. and. Tess, he's been fantastic uh, for the Western Force and he and he seems like a real big personality, very enthusiastic. You see him leading that team song and he looks like he really loves playing with the Force. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that has, has come in and just really uh, immersed himself in being a Western Force member, playing, like representing Perth, representing WA means a huge amount for him as being someone who's come from outside, not only the state, the country. Um and he, he's completely bought into it and, and what it means to be a Western Force player. And that's the reason why someone like him, I mean, he, he's actually quite a really reserved, he's a very quiet guy, but like uh, it's a bit of an honour to have that 
being that song leader and like for him to be able to just get that energy, bring that energy out because it's not always something that comes natural for him, but he just loves the team so much, loves being part of the jersey so much that he can, he, he likes taking it on and, you know, you, yeah, we've seen him sing it. We all know how he sings it. He, he rips out. He wrote the song for us as well. Like, that's how Did much he? he he loves it. So, yeah, when there was the change between um, going from Super Rugby into our new into Rapid Rugby competition, uh, we thought, you know, maybe we'll look at changing a little bit, a few other things as well off field. And the song was one and Marcel rolled up his sleeves and, and got into it. And obviously great the experience that he can bring back as a result of his international experiences as well with the US. Yeah, I mean, that's something we, we touched on talking previously with, with Henry Tafu as well, AJ Alatimu. We've got, we've got three or four backs who have you know, been to World Cups and, and had experience at the highest level. And Marcel, he's, 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 if he hasn't already got it, he's closing on his 50th cap for the US. Wow. Um, so he's an extremely experienced player and, and a really good head for, for, our, um, for some of our younger outside backs as well. He, he's that person that, you know, when, when all the chaos is going around, he'll find that calm for you. And, um, you know, he'll give you some direction. And it's great. He's, he's had a lot of law to the Western Force. Um, before we kind of move on, Mitch, big news this week that Kirtley Beale, he's decided packed to... Packed his bags and left. Packed yep, his bags and left gone. The, left the Tars in the lurch. Um, gone chase the cash. It was an interesting one, isn't it? Like, you think you think back over Kirtley's history and how many chances is it or yeah. support or opportunities yep. Kirtley's been given. And shown a lot of I faith know, in him. I know the media can always dress it up in certain ways. See, there's always context and there's always two sides of the story. But yeah, a bit disappointing to read that uh, Kirtley's up and left and won't be part of the Super Rugby AU for the Tars and that uh, he's going to focus on other things. And you just go, well, okay, that's fine. There's an opportunity for another young bloke to come mm. through the system and and show his wares during that tournament. But you'd like to think uh, that he's, you know, Australia rugby's been loyal to him and would have been good to see him in the tournament playing at his best. Yeah. You won't uh, see that. No, and, and one of the things was he, he was resting his body up before his new season, but he hasn't, he hasn't done anything. So how much rest do you need? And, and it, would like have, it would have been great to see yeah. him play, but I, 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 you've got to also wonder where, if there's a financial incentive, what that is like for the for the Waratahs and Rugby Australia then as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. Save some money too on on yeah. their side of the table. Yeah. So, yeah, and we saw that with you know, Henry Spate as well. Henry's Henry's pulled up stumps at the Reds and said he won't be part of this right. uh, Super AU as well, and he'll he'll be going under other contracts. And you know, and that. I think there is still a large degree of uncertainty around what the player contracts and payments look like um, for both this season and next. Well, there's no and broadcast deal for next year, is there? There's a broadcast deal no. for this for this competition, yes. but that's it still. Yeah. There's still nothing. Yeah, but, but don't forget the player. The players agreed to be on this um, salary cut, uh, cost saving measures until September. So we haven't had any updates yeah, okay. in the public. That is. Um, on how that's being played out come July. Like, it's not all mm. of a sudden been announced that that's going to be all reinstated, subject to this Super Rugby AU that's coming out. And yep. certainly there's no been announcements around broadcast ongoing. So players have still got that element of certainty saying, well, are they back at full pay, full pay yeah. as of July? I don't know. Are they? No mm. one's heard. So no. um, are they going to get match payments if they play in the Super AU? I don't know. Are they? And there's certainly no indication that any of these players are going to have their contracts honoured for 2021. Mm. Yeah, Western Force excluded because they're <laughs> under Twiggy's guidance. Exactly. Exactly. I think, 
Yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> and Tess, how is how are things how are things within the squad getting closer? Yeah, getting closer and just getting that bit more exciting. Um, you know, we're we're waiting for some of our new boys to come in. We'll have Jono, Kyle, um, Ollie, and Holmesy joining us uh, next week. So they'll they'll have finished their um, their time alone, quarantine. their quarantine time. Yeah, by by next week. So they'll they'll have a couple of weeks to to put themselves forward as best they can as well. Um, but yeah, I mean the competition's hot right now, which is which is what we want leading into into these first few games. So and so, what what's the process about about um, trimming this squad down to what's going to go away? Is that just being you've got little internal things going on? How, how's that all happening? Oh no, we'll have to we'll have to if we we can get one of the coaches on next week. We'll have to ask them what their what their thought process is because well, you you're know, part of the leadership group, obviously picking well, yourself and Marcel well, Bracky. Well, yeah, well, I don't, know, I don't know if I get a seat at the I don't know if I get a seat at the table. <laughs> <laughs> the Ian, Ian Pryor is he part of the selection panel? Ian Pryor is the skipper. Is he? Just, is is that? Uh, I think I think it's just I think we're just we're old school just coaches. I think yep. it's cricket. How many? How many of the? Um, I don't know. Do many teams get their players? Have a, they have a chance? I know the cricketers do that. Strong cricket team. Uh, yeah. I know when I was skippering here, I didn't get any say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Sharpie got a say when he was skipper of the force in some capacity. <laughs> Uh, I think it was, some of the management were just letting him have his own way back then, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a choice. <laughs> All right. Well, that was good. I thought I thought Barry was terrific tonight. It's um those, those law changes. I think there's a lot of merit in a lot of those. So it'd be, it'd be great to see where that ends up. So Tess, good on you. Thanks very much. Uh, hope you have another good week in the media. It's always good to see your smiling face in the paper. Yeah, I'll make sure they pump up the rugby rap yeah, again. Just exactly. So they, just exactly. like I told them to last night. Yeah, right. And Mitch, good to see you. Yep, no, it's good stuff, Mickey. Well, uh, there's more club trials on this coming weekend, more PSA matches. It was a good game between uh, Scotch and Hale last weekend. I went and had a look at that, which was good. Um, and, uh, yep, we get, we're getting closer and closer to community rugby. 14-team premier comp here in the local WA comp. Uh, grades one to three and an abridged Colts comp and ladies comp. Um, so, yep, Rugby WA done a terrific job pulling all that together and that's uh, getting very close. And that all kicks off on the 4th of July, the same as the Super yep. AU competition. So, yep, all, all starting to come together. Well, again, thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Tess. Thanks again to the telecomshop.com. And most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you next week on the Rugby Wrap. <laughs>